Shuffle Maniacs. You're listening to a Turkey-ish edition of the Shop Talk Show. Not sure when this episode's coming out. We're recording a smidge ahead, but that's fine. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? Yeah, very well. Thank you, Dave. Let's call this the Turkey episode. I really have no idea. So <laughs> Yeah, I just have this bad feeling that when it drops, there'll be like some obvious thing that we're supposed to be talking about in the world of development, but really we're, we're going to talk yeah, about RSS like, or something. Let's just pretend Google bought Microsoft. Wow, that was really unexpected. <laughs> yeah, you know, that, uh, and we will cover it here in this segment we like to call speculative uh, future. <laughs> because, I don't know, we were talking a little bit before the show, it's, uh, you know, like a remix, a, a React framework, uh, kind of server uh, forward React framework got acquired by uh Shopify hydrogen, right? The kind of that team, right? So um Yeah. And and we were kinda like, wow, that I mean, I don't think anyone here expected it. I'm sure at uh no. Re- <laughs> I think people at uh you know uh remix were were actively working with Shopify because they had some kind of um you know, they're kind of experts on like server rendering React. So I think Shopify was using their knowledge and it just worked out. So blah blah blah. Um, yeah, it seemed to happen really fast. Um, not, I don't know what it was like from their perspective, but I saw a tweet. Um, who's the vanilla extract guy? Uh, Mark, Mark Dalgesh. Yeah. yeah. Who was like, I just got hired to, at Remix or I mean, Shopify, basically. Like, you know what I mean? Like, that, it seems like probably was hired right in the middle of a that transition. That's why I mean fast. I'm like, oh, that's yeah. unusual to see something like that happen, you know? Like by the time you uh, like start and uh, like your start date and your like sign contract date are totally different. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he seemed relatively excited about working on it regardless of it being at Shopify or not. I'd be, <laughs> I'll work for Shopify. Yeah. Some stability. Let's get some Shopify bucks. Hell yeah. Uh, You know, I thought of Mark for another reason, though, in that there was a lot of drama about CSS and JS, what will be a few weeks ago, if not a month ago, by the time you're listening to the show. And it it was all centered around one article, which is one of the developers behind one of the CSS and and JS libraries called Emotion. And Emotion Mm -hmm. is relatively popular because it... Uh, I'm not sure all the details of it, but it's the one that's it's very similar to styled components, and styled components is super duper popular. So it's uh you know it's in that bucket, and it has mm-hmm. all these different abilities. You can write CSS with the backtick style or the other style, and you can there's a CSS prop meaning you can drop CSS right onto a component, or you can predefine it and use it. You know it's just, it's pretty flexible. It's fine, you know. I'm. I accept the ergonomics of these things and the fact that some people like them. They are Mm -hmm. runtime dynamic styles, meaning that you can like use math on them and and such in interesting ways, and you avoid naming things and blah blah. We don't have to go over every single plus and minus to these things, but the performance has always been an has been one of the problems, right? There, There never have they has any CSS JS advocates truly i think advocated for this is definitely faster than using css that's not one of the talking points of css and js but it got so bad that i think the point of this article is like look you know 
it's bad enough that it's CSS time. Yeah, this was Sam Magura, why we're breaking up with CSS in JS. Right, that's the um, one. But yeah, it, it was, you know, I mean, shocking that it comes from somebody who works on one of these libraries, you know. Um, huh. And, but I think it just kind of, I, you know, I, I don't, it's, I have very mixed emotions. It's like, I'm glad they like figured out something that works, you know. Um, but man, I also feel like I was like gaslit or like told I was a dinosaur or a gatekeeper for years. Cause for I was a like, long I don't time. know, dude, it doesn't seem good. I know for a fact I was called a curmudgeon. So whoever did that, if you're still listening to the show, mm. a booyah. So anyway, um, I feel like Sam knew what he was doing here though. The, the title of it is funny. It's like, we're breaking up with CSS and JS. Not we're breaking up with emotion, the exact library that I'm talking about in this, but breaking up with CSS and JS, which is, I just want to bring a little nuance to the party. And that's why I said, I wanted to mention Mark's thing, a uh, vanilla extract because it doesn't, it's CSS and JS. You're still authoring CSS similarly ish to this. You're still writing JavaScript that ends up as CSS, but suffers none of the fate of this because the point is that the CSS is extracted into regular CSS by runtime. So yeah. like, but it's still CSS and JS. So is, so is CSS modules sometimes, you know, that, that there's JavaScript involved that processes everything and scopes the styles. It's kind of a version of CSS and JS. Doesn't have any of the net downsides as this because by the time it hits the browser, it's just CSS. That little bit of nuance is, is, is lost here a little bit, which makes me kind of like, not roll my eyes, but be a little bit like anybody that touts that pulls out this article and shoves it in your face and says, see, look, this was a bad idea. You're like, it's only a, ver a certain version of this is a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. And I should say like vanilla extract. I actually like what I, the part I like about it is it's very variable based. Like, like you basically like can create a theme that has variables and then you use those vars just like you would CSS variables, but in, um, in, in like, very, like JavaScript. Yeah. Tokens. It's basically designed token powered, like CSS machine. And I think it literally creates, you know, uh, the, the output is actually like hyphen hyphen variables, like CSS variables. Um, and so, like, that's really cool and really powerful. Um, I saw somebody else do this recently for web components over, was it over on the Astro side of things? Um, hmm. uh, oh, yeah. What was that? Was that Nate? Uh, yeah. Damn it. We'll look it up. Don't worry. <laughs> we'll, we'll look it up here. Uh, but it was a sort of a, a way to sort of, you know, because like VAR. Per, Parentheses dash dash my var is well, I think a it was little just called token CSS. Yeah, right. was it token CSS? Okay, token so CSS. It's, uh, so it's a little like preprocessor sort of thing that basically does the same thing. Like you, you just say like padding medium MD, and it'll like convert that to var dash dash size MD. Like it, yeah. Um, and then you could even kind of. Which I didn't. There was like a max width eight XL, like, and it converted to var size 
you know, var dash dash size dash eight XL, which I thought was very cool. But one thing I was like, I didn't want to bring up because I don't want to be a wet blanket on cool ideas anymore. Cause mm-hmm. I'm a curmudgeon. I got called a curmudgeon. Now I'm reacting. We are close to having custom properties, right? Like what you know was talking about, but you could like, you know, it wasn't there like a, a thing like you could, I could create an XL uh, property or, or like unit, right? Custom units. Wasn't that something you wrote a blog post on? Like these custom units you could create? Um, mm, are you talking about the idea of, uh, of style queries and mixins or am I off the mark no, there? I'm going to, I'm going to, Oh, I think I know what you mean. Yeah, that like, uh, oh, I see. I see what you're looking at with token CSS and how you can say 8XL. And XL, that's not a CSS unit, but it it kind of, you could assign it meaning. You could say, oh, but that it that's really, an XL is really just three pixels or something. Mm-hmm. That's right, what you right. mean, so, right? Yeah. Because that's coming to CSS, right? Like, like the or exists. It might be, yeah. It seems like it. Because it turned out there's a way to make a custom property basically behave like a unit without stretching your brain a little bit. I know that sounds weird to say on the radio here, but uh, you can make a custom unit pretty pretty easily. I, I don't think that's anywhere near actually spec'd, but it seems yeah. likely because of how relatively simple it is once you see it. Yeah, because you could be like, whatever, max width, whatever, five grids, or, or whatever you want to call it, and it would be five grid units wide or something like that. Or, but anyway, yeah, it's right for I jokes and vanity. Right, vanity, wasn't vanity properties or something? Anyway. Yeah, you could have three, you know, this is a five Dave block, you know. Yeah, Why this not? is five Daves wide, and everyone knows how big a Dave is, <laughs> obviously. Um, and, you know, it's three ounces uh, tall. You know, everyone knows how tall an ounce is. Um, but I think, uh, you know, I was just was like looking at this little shorthand, and I was like, uh-oh, you might run into problems <laughs> when, when like these like vanity units drop, you know? So, oh, Yeah. Because yeah, like sorry, all to, this I was a wet break, blanket right? on this too. Because I'm, it's saying do this in .css files, and I always took See. issue with that because I'm like, this is you're trampsing on the language. Then you know, if yeah. you said do this in a dot, dot .css dot .token file or a tcss or a dot .token file or something, that's fine because it says, oh, this is its own little language and it gets processed into CSS. That's mm-hmm. good. Uh, yeah. But yeah, this is it's, this is tricky because you're saying, oh, this is just regular CSS, and it's not. It has to be processed. It is not CSS as written. You know, I used to hate the whole. Well, I still sort of hate the MJS idea. You know, but mm. I used to. I, I really I had was to use like, that no. the other day. <laughs> I, well, now I'm actually just in this era of compilers and stuff like that. I think that's like the best way for code to be like, this is actually what I am. Like run me through this processor, like .ts, you know, it's not going to be JavaScript when it, like it doesn't pretend to be JavaScript. Right. It will no, it does not. run itself. It has to run through a, a compiler. Well, I like you it. Know? I like it. I regret in our code base, we don't use .jsx. We just use JS, but it doesn't, but some of the files are JSX and some of them aren't. You know, I wish the yeah. ones that were JSX were JSX. I wish it just said that it was. Uh, I very much prefer that. Yeah, uh, I think I'm in the like 
I'm in, I'm converted now to where I would think, I think, oh, I would actually super want every file to say what exactly they are, even in these little custom shifts, you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, yeah, okay. SAS well, was yeah, a great we, example. You know, your SAS file, you know, it's a SAS file, yeah, it's just, SCSS. Right. So. Just say, say it's a different file. It's almost like a, I don't know. I think it's, cool almost you know be like oh i invented a little processing language i'm gonna i'm gonna take my my file extension darn it it's mine (laughs) yeah well and you know just i i think yeah anyway if i think if there's anything i feel like we should just (laughs) if we've learned anything over the last 10 years of css and js it should just be that like name your files (laughs) so name your files what they are so uh, one thing I wanted to mention is you know Manuel Matuzovic? Yes. He is matuzo.at. I was kind of following this the other day. There was a there was a moment where he had responded to somebody and the response didn't show up. It was one of those like almost like ghost boxes on Twitter. And mm-hmm. it, uh, that's what happens when you're quote unquote shadow banned. When you get this like slap on the wrist from Twitter that uh, your, your account's not suspended yet. Um, but you have some like limited abilities and he's like, what the heck? Why? Like literally had no idea why that would happen to him. Then a few days later, permanently suspended. And it's just to this day, I don't think he knows why none of us know why there's no answers. There's nothing. He's just wiped off the face of Twitter. Um, and has you know, submitted appeals and contacts as far as I know. And, uh, and just nothing, no answers or anything, which makes it scared. It's scary, isn't it? It's like you're just, you know, a lot of us put a little probably more time and energy than we should into Twitter. But it's, you know, it's, it has become a, a web development hive and a place where we talk and have friends and probably are a little addicted to. And you can just be freaking just scorched Obliterated. off of it. Just, yeah. just for no reason. I mean, like, I... I know Manuel, like we've interacted. He seems like a great person, very, uh, you know, just trying to educate about HTML, CSS, JavaScript, accessibility. Um, Never got bad vibes. Um, So I just want to say that. But I will also acknowledge, I have no idea, you know, like (laughs) maybe he was being way too weird in DMs. I don't know. But uh, again, that's that crossed my mind too. Right. But you, I think when, when somebody is so public about not knowing why on a blog post, I feel like as somebody who's like this, you got to give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, I don't, I don't like going down the, that's what I'm saying. None. Yeah, no, no character, <laughs> no flaws have been revealed. Uh, no uh, people have stepped forward, uh, you know, with like, oh, he's actually, you know, total schizo at conferences or something, you know. So anyway, I just like people get kicked off and sometimes it's a mystery and sometimes it's not. This is generally one where it's like a mystery, you know. It's, it feels it's, like a mistake. Yeah, it feels like a mistake that will not get fixed in, in it coincides with this time this weird time in twitter's life where it was taken over by an eccentric billionaire and so <laughs> who like fired yeah. the content moderation team or whatever so i'm just like there's nobody gonna help this just sucks yeah yeah so uh, I, fortunately Manuel already had a really good blog so it's kind of nice that 
he has a kind of an escape hatch of being able to, I mean, if it happened to me, I would just retreat super heavily back to my blog that nobody can, nobody can take away from me theoretically, unless you steal my domain name, which has happened to me in the past, but probably <laughs> won't happen again. Exactly is possible. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. Well, in that, I mean, it gets into that own your content thing, you know, it, it's, I hope everyone knows I have a blog at DaveRupert.com. Uh, but like, yeah, it just, it feels wild. It feels unsafe if somebody like Manuel can just get the boot, you know? So I'm sure I run my mouth. It's a, Jeremy's always proven right, you know, with his, with his like indie web. Because sometimes I'm always like, oh, I love Jeremy, but he, he takes things further than I would ever take him. Like really a tweet, a reply to a tweet you publish to your own blog and syndicate there. I'm like, it's way farther than I'd take it. I'm like, no, nope, he was right. <laughs> yeah, he was right. Bastard. He? Yeah. Yeah, he's right. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Jeremy was right again. Progressive enhancement is good again. Ugh, Jeremy, stop it. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I I I don't want to be reactionary. I have like tried to quit Twitter times in the past, but this this time feels a smidge different. I don't know. I'm I'm trying not to overreact, but it just feels like man. I don't know what it feels like chaos and I don't super need chaos in my life. I'm kind of doing enough starting a company, so I don't need yeah. like extra chaos, you know? So it's a, it's kind of weird, um, weird vibes. So definitely in the kind of the, the wait and see thing. I've seen a lot of let's go to Mastodon and a lot of, I'm not going to Mastodon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd rather do nothing than go to Mastodon. I went over to Mastodon trying it out, but it didn't work. Like it was so overwhelmed. Something like 70,000 new users showed up and like the server just fell over. Uh, they had to buy a new server that had, they ran out not of disk space on this, the database server. They ran out of CPU on the database server to process all the posts, like all the tweets or toots or whatever they're called. So they, they couldn't, there are too many toots in the engine. <laughs> So they couldn't process the the toots and it got stuck. And so that's bad. <laughs> constipated. It got constipated and they needed a whole new database server with more CPU. That's I've never literally heard of hmm. that. So anyway, uh, but it's unclogged now and should be working. But it's just, I don't know. Mastodon's very different. It's a ghost town. It's kind of intentionally slow. Intentionally doesn't give you those dopamine kicks. So if you're trying to replace an addiction with the Mastodon, yeah, better software that's still that's yeah, better software uh, is not the problem. You you have an addiction and like right. you need to like just do Nano Rimo or something instead. <laughs> like so, <laughs> that is a very good point. That it's not, yeah, it's not it's not the technology we need replaced. It's the addiction. Well, and, Ooh, and for me, I, I realized it. it's the network effect, right? Like. I, I'm always one step away from telling Ted Cruz he's a piece of shit, and I I think he might be able to see it, and that is intoxicating to me, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> like, that's what is interesting about Twitter. It's It's just you have access to everyone on the planet, like, and they may reply to you, you know? That's absolutely intoxicating, that network. And so I don't know. I don't, I maybe don't need it anymore. That's maybe too intoxicating. It's too addictive. It's too interesting. 
and then they like try to like whatever <laughs> spam you with features that suck more attention. I'm just like, please don't. Like I'm already super bad at this. <laughs> like I'm already super addicted. Could you please just stop? So Today's episode is brought to you by Sanity. The new Sanity Studio has amazing features like embeddable authoring, which enables you to bundle Sanity as a React component within the web app code itself. The studio has been fully rewritten as modular React-based components that enable you to reduce maintenance for your content system overall. Yay, less code. It also has full TypeScript coverage, so you can customize your studio with confidence and support from within your favorite code editor. Sandy is hosting a Sanity Product Day on December 8th to showcase the latest updates. Learn more at sandy.io slash product day. Thank you, Sandy, for sponsoring the show. I've been known to uh, to advocate for RSS too. I don't necessarily, again, mean to mean it's like our Twitter replacement, but should, surely this happened to me, I would would use it even more. And I, I honestly, I do both. I really am an RSS advocate. I am in there every day, reading stuff, starring stuff. I see the stars, uh, favorite it up. I see that. So uh, yeah, you should follow my star feed. It's amazing. I've seen I do. Many good I stars your star lately. Feed. You really? your stars. Yeah, I follow your star feed. I follow <laughs> your feet, your stars. I follow uh who's whose stars are these? These are unlabeled. Oh, uh Marcus Herman, uh he does accessibility stuff in view. Robin Rendell has stars. Uh Adactio Links, which is kind of like his version of stars. Um that's a good That's nice. Here's my top my last five stars. Um, was Eric Meyer's masked gradient dash lines post, which is a way to use one pixel tall repeating linear gradients to make lines, but there's some complications in sub-pixel rendering and stuff that he gets into in a very nerdy Eric kind of way. That was a good journey. There's a Matt... Howie Post, who was uh, he's the old Metafilter guy, spent a bunch of time at Slack, but he worked with Andy Bayow and fed a stable diffusion model with only pictures of himself. <laughs> and <laughs> then... <laughs> Okay. It's a freaking right. great. And then got a re- all these like incredible AI results of... Uh, they're all him. You know, in amazing, wow. he's looking different directions, and they're in different art styles. And, yeah, this is great, yeah. dude. Just so good, right? It reminds me. I think Google did this kind of almost like photo booth thing recently. I, I can't remember the details of it, but it was you know feed in yourself and get yourself as in all these different ways, a warrior and a princess and whatever else. Yeah. Um, yeah, I read Terrence Eden's blog. He blogs like every day. He's like the super prolific dude. And it was just uh, him celebrating himself. He had a um, an accessibility PR to WordPress that took two and a half years to get in, but was finally accepted. And it's just cool to see people celebrating little stuff like that. I got another one, a Heather Bird's post that says, a rant. No, journos, I will not talk to you about your favorite billionaire bad boy. <laughs> I feel bad for uh, her. She must be getting a request to be like, what do you think about Elon? You know, 
Yeah. Let me quote you in my article. You're a woman, right? <laughs> no, I don't want to be that for you. <laughs> that's good. Anyway, oh, I, wow. know, I love RSS still. And that's, it's, it's, it's a better source of news for me than Twitter is still. As much as I love Twitter, I do, <laughs> I'm addicted to Twitter at the moment. As much as I don't want to be, uh, my RSS feed churns out better stuff than Twitter does for me. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If only somebody had spent years building a clandestine net, uh, secret social network on RSS, you know, that would be super cool if somebody was doing that, you know, that'd be, I'd love to hear about Muen, uh, Muen Chow, Chow, Cho Chow, uh, C-H-I-O-U, sorry, Muen, um, uh, she has a cool website, uh, Muen.co, and, in it, she has these stories, right? Like, uh, you, know, you know, like literal, like Instagram-y stories, right? Uh, mm-hmm. And it's it's based on this thing called an, it's a web component, open stories, open dash stories web component. And if you have an underscore open stories object, JSON feed in your site, it'll hook into that like a global variable and it will like find all the items in there and like start piecing together stories. Uh, however, you want to organize them, you can have them in. You know, mm-hmm. she has like cooking, animals, travel, plants, friends, um, Taiwan stuff, and right. so like I, I just anyway. I know like I I am not a stories format guy, but this made me want to be that. Does that make sense? It, it made me want to like. I could, t- like, I, in my youth, in my 20s, I used to take photos and stuff like that. I would love to, like, get serious about photography and, like, walk around with my phone instead of checking Twitter, like, scoping for good photos, you know? Like, I, I would love to do that and then, like, take good photos and post them in, in like, stories. My Gundams, my, you know, like, mm-hmm. little video reels or something like that, you know, playing songs or something like that. Like, wouldn't that be cool? to have on your site. So anyway, I, I didn't know this, this like open stories format exists. And she has a, a link to like, uh, it's slash open stories on GitHub. And, um, literally that's what it is. And, uh, so it's this open stories format and then it'll like kind of loop through your open stories on your site and, uh, display them appropriately. So nice. Yeah, I know. I think WordPress has a story format. You can publish a blog post as a in a story format. I always thought that was a kind of a strange move for WordPress. But would you uh, do it? Would you do, do that? It? I don't know. Sure. I mean, I don't know. I I'm almost like pr- probably not. But I don't. It doesn't matter what I would do. I I still think it's a weird move for a for a CMS essentially. But I could be mm-hmm. wrong. It just seems like maybe plug-in territory or something yeah you could do mm-hmm. a pull a tj holloway chuck and just peace out to photography it's just like gone from the face of web development and just post tons of photos and it's kind of rad yeah we had a request to have him on the show to ask about that journey and uh, i did reach out and hadn't didn't hear anything which uh is about what i expected because if you peace out from tech you peace out from tech you don't <laughs> come on you tech podcast on yeah 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 I mean, that's like a really, I mean, you got to, I think I, it, so he's doing no tech or is, is he quiet quitting or is he uh, doing no tech? Like, 
Oh, I think he's he's. I think he he pieced out to go or eventually, right? And then and then was like, listen, I love go. I'm useful in go, but I like I'm not as. It's kind of like me. I, I I've been writing a lot of go, but I haven't really written any blog posts about it because I feel like almost like underqualified to say anything about it. I'm like, there's so many smart people in that world that it's like, what would I what would I even write, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And okay. I, and I I got the sense of some of his his writing that he left as he was leaving about go that was the same way he's like listen i'm contributing to software using this but i don't have as much i don't have as much to say as i did about javascript see you know i'm not like creating modules for go because there's already so many good ones that it's like i don't my voice isn't needed here that's see that's interesting that's why i want to get to i don't know (laughs) it's like I just kind of want to use software and make cool things. I don't want to always like have to, you know, like yeah, yeah, be a library author, promoter slash, you know, open collective, you know, blah blah, you know. But he's just. I do like writing about it though. It makes me want to be more of a journalist in this world more than I ever was. But we'll see if that ever pans out. A little busy at the moment. Writing code. Uh, who was it? Robin Rendell? Rob, you know, Robin Rendell. Mm-hmm. He worked with me at CSS Tricks. He worked at CSS Tricks. He's writing a book, by the way. But um, what, letters uh, and stuff. He had a really good essay. Uh, he also redesigned his site with stuff that's typed that's way too big. I appreciate that. Um, in Praise of Shadows, he had a, this really good, again, it's basically a story, but it's like you just swipe to like, you know, use his website um it does not appear to work right now for me so oh hold on maybe i can get it if i do it enough um anyway i'm probably in the unique uh situation where i am on my stupid phone oh it goes sideways sorry that's what it is okay so uh but it's it's basically just a love letter to his camera and and oh yeah, the shadows one that was cool. Fuji XV X100V, and I'm not you know I have a digital camera, I have a phone camera, you know, um, but I haven't like I don't know it it just I I was like this is cool this is like feels beautiful intentional you know um, and I was I was inspired by that I just thought you know maybe that's something you can do is just take photos and share them <laughs> chris did you know you can take photos and share them and yeah you don't have to like blog about it and stuff you just i don't know yeah or you don't have to get likes on instagram someday you're bought by shutterfly yeah see i, I did something this week okay you ready yeah i wrote a script right sometimes sometimes when you develop software you have to write little scripts that are part of your code base only temporarily because they have one little job they're gonna do and then you essentially throw it away, right? Or maybe you let it sit there in some scripts folder, but it's not really part of the day-to-day software that's that runs. It's just like, whatever. And in my case, the script needed to fix some data, right? So the point is, I get it all right and tested, but it's going to do this on production, so it's a big deal. You know, get it perfect, and then I'm going to run it, and then I'm going to throw it away, you know? Uh, uh, I've done that like three times in the last little while. But I'm working on one that's a little bigger that needs to munch some data and a more, you know, like, you know, pick up this piece from the database and convert it into something pretty different. 
So I'm working mm-hmm. on this script and it's involved. It's going to be, you know, months of time and stuff. I'm just kind of keeping it up to date and keeping my eye on it, whatever. But because I have so much time to, to work on it, it's going to last. This particular script, it plucks something out of the database. And for now, it just saves some files to disk based on mm-hmm. stuff that it found in the database. Mm-hmm. So I wrote it such that at the very top of the script, and, and the script runs in Go, it's just, you know, script.go. I hard-coded some stuff, like pull a thing from the widget table of ID 12789 or something. But it doesn't have to be a widget. It could be a widget or a kebab or something. So there's two, it could be two different types, and, and then it needs an ID. And for a long time, I was just like, oh, I'm gonna, I need a different thing. So I'll just go up to the top of the script, and I'll change the hard-coded value and then run the script again. And it got me thinking like, oh, well, I'm fixing this up. Why don't I have the script take input, you know? So I could um, call the script at the CLI with like a flag, like, you yeah. know, dash ID. thing equal, dash ID equals whatever, you know? So I was like, mm-hmm. I could do that. But what's funny is this particular script gets called from a bash script because the bash script um, needs to do a little setup. It needs to like whatever, connect to a DB and do some stuff, right? So it's already a script that calls a script. And then I yeah. was like, you know what I want to write is one of those really fancy ones that that get sh- that you interact with once in a while, where you type a command and then you get lo- you get put into like a little wizard and it asks yeah, you questions, like a, like a yeoman <laughs> kind of deal. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I look up how to do it, and one of the the most popular libraries is called Inquirer JS. Inquirer, it's a JS, node. Okay, Inquirer JS. That's right. So you write a script in Inquirer. <clears throat> and you call it, and that's the thing that uh, has this little experience. So you write an inquirer script, and it has a prompt with questions and stuff. So I could the first one is a, a, a question it asks: Do you want a widget or a kebab? So and you can use the arrow keys in the CLI to pick which one you want, which is cool, right? And there's a default, so you can just hit return if you want the default. And then it says, "Oh, okay, you want a widget." What ID do you want the widget to be? And I have it set up where I have about 10 of them that I can arrow up and down through depending on which one I want. And then you hit the arrow key and then it runs the script. It was so satisfying to write. You know, I'm like, oh, I made this thing rather than having to hard code stuff, I can call it, you know, by using this little inquirer script. It was pretty fun. Oh, the problem that's is it's beautiful. It's, a, it's in Node. So it's a Node script that. When you when you select the stuff, it ultimately then calls the shell script. <laughs> so it passes okay. the values to the shell script, and then the shell script has to pass those values to the Go script. So it's like a lot of shepherding <laughs> flags around, you know? Right, right. A node script that, that calls dicey. a bash script that calls a Go script. Yeah, it wasn't too bad, but it was a little, little funny. The worst being bash, of course, like pulling flags out of bash, which you'd think would be amazing at this very simple job. The syntax for it is really weird. Mm. I hate it essentially. But anyway, that's yeah. just what I had to do. But then I was looking at, I was looking at her. I, I think I showed the team I'm like, oh, look, this script now is really cool. It uh, it just asks you stuff. And I was like, oh, that's good. Everybody liked it. But then Alex is like, you should look at bubble tea, it's called, which is a Go version that's even cooler looking than Inquirer, but it's all in Go. 
So I would have okay. I could have skipped all the shuffling around and just wrote the whole damn thing in Go, but I didn't know Bubble Tea existed at the time, so fail. Well, yeah, that's on one of those. Don't know how to Google like Google Bubble Tea. You're gonna be stuck. Um, oh, it is written in Go. Interesting. Yeah, it looks a little cooler too. And they're like neck and neck for stars. They both have an absolute crapload of stars, which surprises me. Like, how many people write? write exotic CLIs. But I'm like, apparently more than you'd think, you know? Because there's a lot of people. I think writing your CLI in Go is pretty good too. Pretty smart, you know? Um, yeah, probably. Especially if you're... I don't think I would have gotten all the way to Go though because it's still... I, I, I think the thing... I need the shell script in the middle in my case. So this Go script would have had to call... Sh- would would add to call shell, which had to come back to this. Right, right. Anyway, so. that's just my little story for people out there. Yeah, anybody out there write their own CLI with 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 fancy interactive wizardy stuff? What did you use? Let me know. That would be awesome to know. We have one at um, Luro uh, for Terraform. You can be like, you know, Terraform create create a new server. What's it called? It's called. Whatever. Oh, you wrote your own uh, one? Nice. Uh, yeah, a little like server manager. And then like it has destroying and stuff too. But we're actually moving off of Terraform, <laughs> unfortunately, just for right now. Um, so some of the stuff will kind of live on event in some capacity. But uh, it's kind of cool for spinning up servers and stuff. I saw um, Astro has a new one. Did his the. It's called the Houston. The little, <laughs> it, don't they have a little little dinosaur guy? That... Well, they're a little robot homie. In, oh, it's in the, uh, good. Yeah, and it's uh, pretty cute. It like smiles and stuff. You know, it was enough to like move all my projects over to. I was gonna, I was gonna say, how did I say dinosaur? That would be really off brand. They went space. Once you go space, you gotta stay space. You know, you gotta stick to it. A little robot. Um, uh, you know, but I just that's fun stuff. I mean, it's kind of a fun place to play around. You know, because I don't know, two developers are only gonna see it. I will say though. That can be a massive time sink that your bosses do not actually want you to do. So, like, unless it's saving time, think about it. Don't just like be like, "I'm going to make an animated robot face for fun." You know, that's yeah, maybe tricky. Maybe not going to pay the bills. So, yeah, it might not. But it could be the thing that it could be literally part of the marketing and branding of your whole thing. It's like how it feels. If you're the yeah. fun thing, it, it, I mean, it, it could be a bigger deal than just a chuckle on Twitter or whatever. It could right, be like, right, right. I like this thing because it's showing me the sensibilities of, of, of the company behind it. And that's important to me. And I think that stuff kind of matters. Funny, uh, TJ Holloway check gets a mention in the footer of bubble T's repo, by the way, bring it full circle here, bring it full circle. So nice. Uh, his goatee repo. I'd be more tempted to to build stuff like calling a script into a website, you know? Because that's another way that you could call a script is a button on a website. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a URL and the URL runs the script. So I don't know what that says about me that I'm more apt to <laughs> to write a CLI than I am a a button these a days. Scaring me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Used to be like websites are the only way. Well, there is something to be said. Like in its like purest form, it is. It, 
you have this script that expects a certain number of inputs and it produces an output, you know, and the UI kind of doesn't matter so much. It's just, you know, on the website. So maybe this is the most efficient way. Maybe this is the easiest way to do something, you know, versus, you know, a public website that you have to then get up, have security permissions, firewalls, blah, blah, blah. Like that maybe this is really the easiest way. So Yeah, that it is actually easier to do. Yeah, perhaps mm-hmm. it is. And the fact that you can Yeah. This is yeah, just to bring everything back to TJ. He's got, he's got this post from 2017, which was I think kind of post his piecing out to go. <laughs> the article is called Go blows away node in pretty much every way. (laughs) Just the point to it. And he says, you get all the niceties of blocking code without actually blocking. You get relatively tiny binaries that you can deploy anywhere with no ease and no fuss. Instead of 250 megabytes of node modules that everyone comes up with hacks to work around, you get a very strong standard library so you don't reinvent stuff poorly in many cases. You get a rich selection of third-party packages from a community of seasoned engineers, incredible tooling for debugging, profiling, monitor, and so on. You get normalized code that looks the same no matter who in the community wrote it, auto-generated documentation, a built-in framework, built-in benchmarking, static typing, and all the benefits that go along with that, less fragmentation, the list goes on and on and on. So it's just like, (laughs) this is just way better than Node. And I can't disagree on those points. It's, It's pretty freaking strong, you know? The fact that I wrote this thing in Inquirer, I was like, I was like, oh, I'll just go, you know, yarn add Inquirer, and it downloaded an absolute crap load of of dependencies to get this little command line tool going. And I think that's uh, just what happens in node land. It's unfortunate. I don't know. Uh, um, yeah, we're, we're recently reevaluating our code base or we're making some moves and stuff like that. But um, uh, I was like, we're, we're kind of moving into like a mono repo kind of thing. It was like, oh, hey, I, we could maybe like pull our API that's in Nuxt right now, like out into a, like a standalone Express app or something. And that might enable us to get to view three uh, or Nuxt three, you know, and just like we took a big piece, a big problem out of the system, you know. And so uh, it was exciting, but it was also just kind of like, just goes to show like, you have all these dependencies, they're all intermingled, they're all wrapped up and, and it's hard to undo, you know, but if we could get to next three, like PHP a little bit, you know, yeah, people wrote so much PHP because it was just there. It was just everywhere. And now node is a little bit like that. It's just everywhere. Like if it's going to be a, if it's going to run on a server, the chances of that server supporting node is super high or the tooling around it is probably going to be centered around node in a way. Certainly a cloud function, anything is that way, which is how yeah, this whole I mean, world of site builders and static site stuff has, has generated is all or us all circling around node. Well, and one of my top 10 problems is like, oh, this has require in it, you know? And it's like, oh man, you know, like, dude, like, ESM, the worst. Yeah. You know? Well, it's you know, yes, I love ESM, and and I want it everything to be that. Way. I know it's just everything needs to move to it. Yeah. Yeah, and and now I have to kind of choose tools based on that too. You know, I, I was kind of just like, oh man, I don't know if I want to do that. You know, and that's another reason we want to get to Nux three is so that we're. 
kind of off of this webpack and require and you know and um stuff like that so yeah. Anyway, it's, uh, we try to do. We're, we're living through the a little bit of pain at the moment of trying to be like, let's just. We're not going to go all in on TypeScript, but let's just make sure that if you want to write component tree uh, code pen in TypeScript, you can. And wow, in a mono repo setup like ours, it's just been quite the not so pleasant journey of getting really? there. It's just been a, a brutal Yeah, brutal which has shift, been my experience huh? with TypeScript always. And I know that's not normal for everybody. It can be very easy and normal and natural. If you're writing a next app, for example, you can just write in TypeScript. It's fine. It will just work. It has a TypeScript mm-hmm. compiler, but that is not the case if you like keep your component tree outside of Next because you're in a mono repo situation. That needs to be we have all these code at code pen style packages that are like, oh we keep our constants over here, our utilities over here, or, you know, mm-hmm. different things like that. And those things need to be TypeScript ready too, which is a little tricky. And then we still have a Rails app that still needs to digest them as well, which has a Webpack build and it needs to be aware of it too. It's just, it can be a little rat's nesty to get working in dev and then production builds are different and is a whole other story. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just like it's just a lot. You know, once we get there, theoretically, you start getting to the point where there's some advantages. But I do look forward to it. I have been in support of it so far. But uh, if anybody's had TypeScript experiences like mine, I'm sure they can commiserate. It's like anytime somebody says that word, it basically means the entire hackathon will be <laughs> dealing with that and not the actual yeah. product. Right. Yeah, it's like you're going to, whatever, sprint a new feature, but it's like 99% just setting up TypeScript. So, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, no. Well, and I do wonder, too, like grass is greener kind of syndrome, right? Like you, you're saying, like, switch everything to Go or Go's better. You know, I wonder, too, if, like, Go, you know, doesn't always doesn't really have to deal with UI in the same way that, you know, like JavaScript does, so maybe it's different, right. you know. So, and maybe yeah, UI doesn't, is actually certainly doesn't the crappy run in the browser, part, you know. So maybe UI is the crappy part, and we we need to fix that or figure out that. So I don't know. Interesting. Yeah, my brain. I'm turning. seeing the stories thing that you're explaining. This is very. This is not quite what I was expecting. It's really cool. No, you, you say open stories source equals some JSON file and. Ta da da! It like gives you a little circle button with some stories, you know. So wonderful! I'm Dang, into it. That's I, freaking fancy. Open stories. Holy crap! I had no idea. I didn't know either. This is very interesting to me. So yeah, it's just very cool. So anyway, I might I might give it a yeah. Give it a whirl. <laughs> Publish your own JSON feed of stuff. It reminds me of Jake Elvaz. He's like, you should, everybody should join my social network. Uh, I'll have to dig up the, if he ever wrote a blog post about it or anything, but he just publishes a piece of JSON at his own website. And if you want to join his social network, you just read his JSON file. You know, it's like as simple as that. And then, and then he will publish part of that JSON. Did you really? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's about as high-minded as you think it is. It's so complicated. He public, There's no schema to follow or anything. It's just like deal with arbitrary other people's JSON. That's how, what That's what the social network is. Yeah, yeah. It's Jace, uh, Jake Alba slash social on GitHub. And um, it's, it's just 
as you described, a boy, what is it? You know, uh, <laughs> good so, luck. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, it's, it's hilarious, it's, though. It's very Jake like. I set it up, and, and you know, it was kind of easy as like a little Netlify thing, you know, and um, uh, you know, it's what the as easy as like a timestamped in a text thing is that's where I maybe would want a CLI to be like, you know, new tweet or whatever, new post, blah. And then it like adds to the JSON, sends it up. But, you know, I think that's probably yeah, that was really the point of it is do. like get the bones in place and then publishing is on you. If you want to hand edit the JSON field, go ahead. If you want to build a tool to update your JSON, go ahead. JSON. And then crucially, yeah. even the reader is up to you. So then yeah. his version is buddy.pizza or whatever, but it's just, it hits as many different JSON feeds as it needs to and and builds a reader around it. But you'd build your own reader is the point. I, I just think it's it's just hilariously complicated. Yeah, no, I, I'm into, I'm into whatever, alternative forms. <laughs> Let's do mm-hmm. alternative formats. Um, so... <laughs> Yeah. All right. Well, cool. Uh, Chris, yeah, man. we should wrap this up. Uh, thank you, dear listener, for downloading this in your podcast. Your be sure to start our favorite episodes. Hope people find out about the show. Follow us on Twitter or whatever's cool now uh, at Shop Talk Show somewhere. Uh, or, or join us in the Discord, patreon.com slash Shop Talk Show. Chris, you got anything else you'd like to say? Mm, shopdocshow.com 